Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. Back again tonight by popular demand I have with me. Now then, Christopher, live from a turf establishment in deepest, darkest Buckinghamshire. It's a stormy old night out there. Well, that is in Scotland. What's it like in Mountain Keynes? After last night being battered to death in Broxburn all night, it's a cloudless night down here, not a breath of wind. It's about two degrees. It's going to be frosty morning. It's lush, but... Um, it's blowing a gale all the way down, coming down empty from Broxburn, back down to York to reload some more turf this afternoon. That were a bit spicy coming down at 74 mm. in places. I can imagine how battered in Broxburn. It sounds like some sort of gritty romantic comedy Aye. written by Irvin Welsh. Or a ropey porn flick. Ah, either or. Aye, it, was, it was crap last night in Broxburn. I was at Beechwood Garden Centre, you know, just on from Dobby's. Yeah. And I was wedged right down in the bottom of there between two buildings. You'd think I'd be out of it down there, but Christ, it woke me up about one-ish. And it just kept throwing us about. I had 20, probably 28 tonne of wet turf on it. It was chucking us about alarmingly. So once I'm awake, I'm awake. So that was a long drag till they turned up at seven o'clock to tip it. But anyway. Oh, it's, ha- it's, ha- it's hard going at this time of year. Like, we're finally <clears throat> recording this on the last day of January, which is dragged. It really doesn't, yeah. doesn't help when the weather's like this consistently, you know. It's been cold and wet and horrible, you know. Tuesday the 89th of January. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, it has been a bugger, this one. Uh, but I noticed tonight coming down here, you know, the sun were out and I was uh, I was trekking down. Once we got past all the hoo-ha and the M18 and, and Donkatraz and the rest of it and got going, it was still properly daylight mm-hmm. down here till about, Quarter past five, I can live with that. That's going right way. It does. Right. It does. When you finally get a bit of sunlight and a bit of warmth, it kind of lightens your chest, lifts a weight off your shoulders, and you feel like, ah, yeah. you know, all the, things are better in the world when you've got a little bit of decent weather. It was nice on Saturday. I was actually outside working in the car without a jacket on. In Scotland, without a jacket on evening in August, that's an that's a fair. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not that common. It's <laughs> a fair statement. I hope you've. Uh, hope you had factor fifty on. We never go abroad. I've never fancied taking kids abroad ever. I've seen other people do it, and I've just looked on with sympathy and and disdain. But anyway, my my dear wife just said to me in uh, in summer. I don't suppose any chance you'd consider reconsidering. Let's go away at February half term. Tell you what, because it's, it's cheap. It's very cheap if you book it right. I'll rephrase that. If you're going to go at half term, it won't be, I dare say, because of the schools jacking the prices up. But if you go out with it, because I've just booked three days in Portugal at the end of March, 200 quid per person, including flights and airport parking. Oh, you wish. Christ. Because I don't do this abroad stuff. I have to defer to uh, a greater power. Uh, Matt Waller, you know, of the the shiny tipping tanker. He's the... uh, uh, travel consultant of the gang and he um he steered me the best way to go about all this so i did because you know it might sound mental this to everybody that's listening but i have never been abroad apart from 19 year old i went to work in canada for a bit a couple of trips to assen bit of a holiday with kate's parents in france once 20 years ago that's it i don't do abroad i don't do planes i don't do spain I don't know any of that. But anyway, I'm going to Fuerteventura on 11th Ooh, for a week. That's... So we'll see how that pans out. But uh, as you said about half term, mm-hmm. that's why I've had my pants pulled down then, is it? Half term, it, I it, get you. It will be, because we, well, we booked three days away and it was um, 
Yeah, if you're booking just the Ryanair flights, if you didn't want to fly with any luggage, then it was like 20 quid a flight. But obviously, you've got to put some of the extras on and things. And Yeah, it came to, uh, even with the, with the car parking at Edinburgh Airport, it came to £200 each from the Saturday morning to the Tuesday. And I was like, that, mm. wait, I, my hotel bill, my work booked me into the holiday in Sutton because I was down there last week. Uh, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't normally book the holiday in, but they did because somebody gets points off it on their card or something like that. Three nights, 421 quid for mm. the, the holiday in in Sutton in January. So I was like, what a yeah. rip. Fort Aventura is nice. I've been there, I was there in 2012. Uh-huh. Um, there's always, nice even, even when it's sunny, there's always a breeze, which is nice because you don't get that like stifling heat, but you've just got to walk. Black home first. Yeah, you're pretty much identical. <laughs> you, you, won't notice, you won't notice any no, uh, notable difference. Um, even when it's sunny, it's raining. Yeah. Aye. But no, mm. you've just got to watch because you can get full sense of security and you can get burnt. Um, I would imagine. Well, it I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to get burnt in February anyway. That sounds about. Yeah, best yeah. we can hope for. You're rustling a lot. Stay still. I'm dusting. I'll stop dusting. I'm I'm having a dust. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. Multitasking men. It's the future. If I knock this red wine all over myself, and there's going to be some right expletives to delete from this, you know. Mm. Mm. Well, you'd better hurry Just... up and drink it then. I've got some plastic wine glasses. Good grief, listen to you. I went to... Devon truck show a couple of years since when I put windscreen through on Ferns. And um, I was going with Nath Gill from Ferns, and Nath likes a glass of red, so I thought I'll just impress Nath by having some camp spec. And I don't mean camp in Liberace terms, I mean camp as in tents. Right. We'll take some camp plastic wine glasses so we're not drinking uh, Shiraz out of the bottle or up a straw or anywhere. We just drank it out of the bottle, I think, and never got the glasses out. So I found them tonight. I'm sure I've got some plastic wine glasses in it. And I have, but they're shite. They really are shite. They're all distorted. We've been in cupboard for a couple of years. I mean, I just shipped them in here from Fern. So they're wobbly. A wobbly red wine glass. That's just going to end in, in major tears, isn't it? Now? Uh, uh, you'd better crack on and get it Get it. I'd better get a straw, know. really. It's nice oh, stuff. Right. I've never had this before. Yeah. I mean, we had a limited choice in the garage in Howden tonight where I, uh, <laughs> I loaded turf. I thought, I'll get some diesel. I'll get a bottle of wine. So I went in expecting great things. Obviously, Howden doesn't really uh, do red wine. There was about 10 different varieties. So... I picked one with a pretty label tonight, so I've never heard of any of them. And it's drinkable in the same way that meths is drinkable when you live on a doorstep. Take a photo of yeah. it. The thing I've always done with wine is, when I used to drink wine a lot, uh, was I would never remember the nice ones that I mm. bought. And you'd be like, what was take that? Take a label yeah. shot. Take yeah. a label shot so you could remember it for mm. the future, so, because you won't otherwise. You'll be like, oh, what the hell was that? And you'll end up buying one that tastes of vinegar the next time. You know when you go to a kebab shop and there's a thing called a meat kebab, and, you're, and when you're pissed... A meat kebab sounds plausible. You think, well, it's meat, I like meat, and it's a kebab, I like kebabs, let's go. However, you'd never have a meat curry or a meat kebab, would you, when you're sober, because you know that that is a broad church, and it could be anything from roadkill to dead tramps in there or anything in between. Um, And it's like 19 crimes. You'll have seen those bottles, those black bottles with like pictures of prisoners that got sent to the colonies. Now, they're doing... 19 crime Chardonnay is lovely, and um, they do this red wine, which is a bit of a worry because it just says red wine, and you think, is this going to be the meat kebab equivalent of wine? Or anyway, I thought 
they're never going to charge me nine quid for something that's poisonous, are they? It's going to be reasonable. So I, I took a punt at mysterious red wine. It says holding his fingers up in the speech marks. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's very bloody drinkable, but obviously Howden's not that far developed yet because I didn't have any. So I got this I Heart Malbec caps of cerise pink and metal bit round neck that cap snaps off from cerise pink with black love hearts on it. I was quite embarrassed buying it because the last that works in that garage is particularly attractive and I'm trying to be a big burly trucker and I've got my camp little bottle of Malbec in my hands. So I thought, oh, God. They've probably all into that, you being a modern, you know, progressive sort and everything that, you know, but buying your... 18 months of, hi, how are you? You're looking well. Are you? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah. Bullshit out the window because I skipped up to counter clutching this in my little manicured paw in my Scania jacket. Mm-hmm. Oh, knackers. I should have got some... Uh, Special brew or something, shouldn't I? In a funnel, something like that. Anyway, anyway, sat here in civilized land with me. Uh, I'm now over 50, seven C's joint care tablets. God really? almighty, what have we become? Uh, you know, I'm taking uh, joint care tablets. Oh, I want the bloody um, the multivitamins and cod liver oil and that to try and ease my aching joints and things. And this is a cold, mm. it's a cold, damp weather that does it. I'm pretty sure I could extend 20 years onto my life expectancy if I just had the good sense to move somewhere hot. That's not a good thing, you know, necessarily extending this bloody misery by another 20 years. Well, you know, if, Come it, on. if it was somewhere hot, then I probably wouldn't be as miserable as I am. You know, mm-hmm. I would be like happy because I'd wake up in the morning and be like, ah, blue sky, sunshine. You know, I wouldn't wake up and you would hear the wind like lashing, the wind howling outside. You're like, ah, oh, God. Yeah. You were a bit short sighted when you set this other editor on. You should have thought about this. Yeah, what do you call yourself now? The editor at large or whatever. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. just a, a vague well, sort of you know, title. Well, the editor at large, which was, you know, made his large a bit larger by being the editor in Malta. Yeah. There's loads of, of VRFs and yeah. phones in Malta. You could have been over there six months a year from uh, October through to early summer on your Maltese desk and then back in uh, yeah. in July for a session over here. And it's warm. Yeah, but warm all the time. I've never been to Malta. That was one of the that was one of the considerations for a weekend away. Was Malta? I'd like to try and get out. There. Mm. Got, got something in the magazine next month. Got a good few pictures of all the trucks from Malta over there. Looks pretty fascinating. It's a long way, place. Malta. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not just ten minutes on a plane. It's a fair old hike, isn't it? Yeah, it's over to the west of Italy, west and south of Italy, isn't it? Mm. I think this fruit of Ventura job is going to be a bit of a nightmare with my children wittering on, because I think it's about four and a half hours to get there, which is a lot further than Spain, I understand. Oh, not yeah. that I've been. But, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of islands away down south further than Spain. Like, but the weather, mm. how, I mean, how old's your youngest one? It can't be. It's not going to be that bad. Six. Uh, uh, Dad, uh, what's this for? Dad, as he hands me some bolts. Uh, I'm like, oh, Christ. When we took Holly and um, Lucy out to Germany one weekend from Leeds Bradford to see Nanny and Grandad when Grandad was still a major in army, we flew from Leeds Bradford to, uh, I can't remember, and we got to Leeds Bradford Airport and I, you know, Kate booked a flight that cost about nine pence. I thought, excellent, we got there. And do you know what? It was Hapag Lloyd, for God's sake. It was a Hapag Lloyd plane, you know, as in the orange containers. Yeah, what? Really? So what, yeah. strange. Yeah, yeah. What, was it like I a never knew Hapag Lloyd dabbled in uh, in planes. But uh, we got on this thing at Leeds Bradford Airport, and we got you know Lucy were 
sound. She was four, four-ish, five-ish perhaps. Holly was probably one-ish, and Holly was a horrible baby. She was a nightmare. She was the prima donna from being born, and she just threw wobblers. Mm. And the Germans, now, if you're getting on a plane and you're uh, obviously struggling as a parent, people are like, no. Oh, Poor buggers. Hey, look at that. Trying the best and that toddler's going apeshit, but the Germans don't do that. The Germans are like pushing you out of the way and trying to throw the kid out of the way and stuff. It was uh, <laughs> it was great. And it was, it was a fairly big plane for a crap one. It was like a three-row thing. Mm. And we just sat on there for an hour and a bit with all these Germans that plainly hated our children and, and, and by default hated us. And, um, you know, the feeling was mutual. And I thought, I am never going abroad unless I'm driving with kids again as long as I live. And here we are. I managed to avoid it for, what was Holly's 15? So I've not done bad, have I really? But I gave in to the popular vote and we're going. It's it's, it's cost me that much money that I'm going to have to see somebody when I get back. Just for a week, ligging around on, a, on some sand somewhere that's, supposed to be quite windy and cold at night ah, <sighs> the, the, the flights at either side of it are only a small part of the overall experience well we are going East Midlands because everybody said don't do Manchester because it's full of chavs and tattooed necks and dickheads so I thought right fair enough and I looked at East Midlands again Matt said you have done well my son East Midlands is the one and East Midlands for us once we get to motorway which takes us as long as it does to get there generally you know from from village out to civilization took most away and one and we're there so um yeah flying in the middle of the morning coming back at bedtime so it's none of this three o'clock in the morning job either so what could possibly go wrong sounds pretty civilized yeah. to me i don't see don't see what they're saying i've got right. well i've got a passport we're going to Aston, so i have got i have got travel documents um mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that's, that's I just good. um. That's good. I'm very glad to hear. Obviously, that. I'll have to go and buy some of that weird money they have in Europe. Yeah, uh, uh, you will. You will probably need some of that. You could just I'll use need your some card that funny, everywhere there. But you know, money's good. To funny use. greasy money. Use, yeah, mm. use money wherever possible. You know, because what with all this stuff coming in, we're going to try and get rid of money at some point. I've no <laughs> doubt. Central bank digital currencies and everything. They have the got two hundred quid folded in my wallet. I'm an I'm a cause of annoyance to everybody wherever I go with cash. Quite bloody, I right? Cash, I get my cash out and they look at me funny. Like today at Coney Garth when I swung in at 12 for a shower and I got a tenner out and she looked at me as if she'd not seen a tenner for a long time. She said, for me, eight quid change. Okay. So I've now got eight quid in jangly money as well, which is nice. Mm. Can't be doing with this cashless society nonsense and all that. There's a bit, There's all sorts of, have you, seen, have you seen the new thing that came out this week, 15-minute cities? Where they're trying to uh, basically discourage people in cities from going any further than fifteen minutes away. They want to like restrict travel and you know have a big oh, push towards Oxford. getting oh. cars off. And yeah, Oxford are the kings of all yeah, these bad Yeah, I've heard some bollocks about Oxford and um, people are rebelling. Wow. It's going to end up like Mad Max Thunderdome down God. there before they finish. Yeah. Hmm. I think that all this current bullshit that we're experiencing will ultimately go away I really do because if not I'd be getting quite desperate and scared at the moment I'd be uh, I'd be stocking up on number six cartridges and uh, I'd be digging a bunker I think all this Sam Smith spec bollocks and the rest of it will burn itself out because Joe Normal and Margaret Normal that live everywhere you look apart from in the Guardian aren't giving any column inches to this 
bollocks. There's there's a silent majority. And, you know, I think mm. people, I mean, all this net zero stuff, I mean, it's all very well saying, you know, I want to get rid of all emissions and everything and we want to get to this. But the whole climate thing, like that's like the pandemic with no end in sight. And that's the kind of push at the moment where everybody's going to get electric cars and you're not going to be allowed to charge them and you're not going to be allowed to do this and that. But well, that ultimately, well, ultimately, there's going to be some there's going to be a, a level of pushback against it. It might get worse before it gets better. But, I mean, did you see the queue of the Teslas at Christmas and everything like that? I'm not, yeah. saying, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that they're not fantastic cars. Because oh, I am. I mean, yeah. they're great cars in a way, but the infrastructure doesn't exist to charge yeah. them. And, yeah, they're a know, great thing to have if you live in London and yeah, you just want to bob about. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's, it's never going to replace, you know, out in the countryside, it's never going to replace, you know, a diesel-powered vehicle yeah. and, and, and like that. It's, it's not a solution... For, for everything and at some point you know mm. I was at a guy have you finished <laughs> what did that sound like I was just wiping the neck of a bottle with a, uh, a microfiber sorry I, I don't know what that sounded like yeah I, I don't know it sounded like you were like shaking you know grit uh, in a rucksack yeah. or something I don't know uh, I just and, dribbled Malbec down the neck of this bottle and I don't want it on my dashboard, so I just give it a wipe with a, a microfiber. And then, uh, I noticed you'd gone quiet, so I assumed it sounded dodgy. Well, you know, I, you know, I was out speaking to a friend this week. He's a master tech at an Audi garage, and you can't get diesel A3s anymore, and they can't keep second-hand stock on the forecourt. It goes out straight as it comes in, and it's overpriced, and they've got a whole row of electric Audis that nobody wants. Mm. They cannot sell them for love nor money. But nope, this, is what's, this is what's being pushed upon people. And you know, if I lived in a city, I mean, don't get me wrong, yeah, I'm not I mean, a complete Luddite. If I lived in a city, which why would I? But if, you know, let's assume I've had a lobotomy and I wake up and I live in a city, right? Fine. I would go out and I would think, I want to get one of these really horrible little shitty Skoda City Go things or whatever they are, that I can pick up and carry and put under my desk when I'm at work and all this. And I'd go and get one of those things, and that'd be great. It'd be fantastic. I could just plug it in somewhere at my wanker bar where I go that used to be a butcher's where top knots and little silly beards, and, and we drink um, hoppy lagers and talk about pilsners and all that shit. Great. But I don't, do I? And you don't. We live in a big knobbly, up and down, hilly, cold, muddy shitbag of a place. And we have to do things and move things like building materials and half a, half a lamb for freezer for now until we're on crickets. And what use is a ball sack of a car that's going to go flat? You know, when you're stuck on 74 in a snow drift mm, you for can't six run, hours. You can't gonna, run the heat off. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's Russian roulette. Shall I keep some power in case the clear road and that gets Penrith and thaw out there, or shall I put the heater on and not die? Eeny, meeny, miny, oh, bollocks. And then, but then I'm sat there with a moral high ground as I die in this plastic car with a massive screen in the middle. Or you have a dose of realism and you think, do I want to be like Dougal who's come out to rescue me in his old uh, Series 3 Land Rover? was going to go back to his house and burn some pee and be warm and survive this idiot apocalypse mm-hmm. guess what I, I'm, I'm going to Google I'm getting yeah. into an a quarter I'm yeah. off another example I've got is a mate of mine is an engineer and he's a diesel transit for many years but because the companies want to be seen to be being green they've given him a hybrid transit with a one litre turbo petrol engine in it 
And the hybrid, <laughs> the, guess what the Ranger has on electric? Oh, a couple of metres-ish? Well, I don't know. Right. 16 miles. Is to McDonald's and back. And then that's yeah. it. And it's got a yeah. range on the fuel tank of 130 miles. And this is somebody Get who drives off. all over the north of England doing engineering mm. jobs. So he's now in a petrol station four times a day trying to fuel it up. Yeah. But he can barely ever run on hard road power. And the thing cost <laughs> 70 grand. <laughs> and it's useless. And that's, but the company could say, oh, look, we've got this great van and you've got to wonder the amount of CO2 emissions and raw materials yeah. that went into building that van yeah. against just letting him keep the van he already had for another three yeah. years. Work it out. It doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> well, look at the, you know, look how clean emissions are out of that Euro 3 Cummins of mine, out of that Ford. Yeah, I mean, they could nearly hit, they could hit Euro 5, yeah. and there were some instances where people told me they were very close to hitting base Euro 6 emissions, those Cummins engines. Exactly. Apparently. She was um, point, point 0.45, I think. Pass rate was 1.55. She was point 0.45, which was Euro 3, because somebody says so, really. Um, and those Euro 5s, I remember sales rep at DAF when I had one of those um, first DAFs. I don't know if you sorted this out or whether it was something we sorted out when they got those new ones. Um, and they said the emissions from that, you could put your mouth over exhaust if it had fit mm-hmm. and you'd not die. Mm-hmm. You could breathe it in. But obviously, you know, getting a load of small children to dig up lithium and um, all the rest of it, that's, that's, that's miles better for everybody. Yeah, great. And, you know, National Grid will just implode if everybody gets electric cars and plugs in. Anyway, they can't cope now. So, uh, Volvo, Scania, all the rest of them jumping on this bandwagon. Oh, yeah, we're going to be able to provide full-weight Arctics on electric. Yeah, and who's going to charge it? We're going to charge it from. Are we going to find a way to plug into the sun? Yeah. No, I don't think we are, are we? The, the- so... Yeah, well, the thing the manufacturers have got to do is they've every manufacturer has got to promote electrics as a solution because that's what the politicians mm. want and that's what the green mob wants. So they have to go and do that, even though they're still... and They can't really celebrate or talk about their fantastic diesel engines, which are so clean and so phenomenally efficient these days, but they can't really like promote that. And there's a lot of scope for saying, you know, for all the for all the enormous investment for the return you're really going to get out of all if you're going to go and try and like push everything to electric, which isn't going to happen. It's only going to be distribution stuff that's going to end up doing it. Then is it like overall? Is it really worth it? Especially I've mentioned it before. I've been banging on about it in the magazine, where you get like HVO diesel now. You get synthetic diesel that's cleaner than ever before. And you know it's it's not a solution for everything, but you have to be seen to be being on message, or the mob will come after you. How is your yeah. how is your Scania getting on? How's life on the road with them getting on? How's your start to the year been in transport? My start to the year has been largely based based around rolled up grass. Um, Lots and lots of turf, lots and lots of muddy fields, followed by lots and lots of frozen solid fields, which meant no turf could be cut. Because apparently uh, these hardcore turf boys can um, harvest in about six, 
fathoms of water, but they can't harvest with a bit of frost on it. So uh, we had a bit of a turf-free hiatus for a fortnight, which quietened things down, but turf's going at 1,000 ton per second in all directions now, so we're really busy with that. Uh, plant jobs just warming up for spring. We're on with plants. Our great leader, spiritual guru and uh, and haulage god, Stuart Holt's new facility is out the ground and the steel's up and the cladding's on, which you can look at and stare at with admiration from M62 as you hit the back of the big queue for the bridge at Gull. So Holtz, as an entity, will be shifting in spring to a new place. Um, the Scania is generally efficient. Um, it does what it says it will do. It drags trailers about. It looks quite nice. But the same issues keep coming up. The build quality is appalling. This is how I imagine Sinclair C5s would have been if I had bought one when I was 11. It's stuck together by sticky back tape and uh, magic. Um, I've just done the heater matrix, just shy of four-year-old. Heater matrix, hmm. when we got it out, looked like it had got cancer. Um, there were like big pink, big pink cysts. What's all over it, and it was... Is it, what's the deal with that? Antifreeze, anti-freeze. I mean, the Scania, it would have been Scania, antifreeze in it. They're crap. Oh, you know? What's, they're just, just it's not... pink antifreeze, hmm. orange, pink stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, they're just crap manufactured. I got the new one out of the box, and I couldn't feel it in my hand. If I was blind, I'd have thought you'd not put anything in my hand at all. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, stop taking the piss, put it in my hand. It, it's in my hand, it weighs an ounce, and it's about sheet, I don't know, sheet A4 size, maybe a push. Um, inlet pipe, outlet pipe, and a lot of things like a little baby radiator from a model tractor that you might build in your seven. And it was surprisingly cheap considering that Scania will bend you over and give you a builder's fist for the you know for hundreds of pounds for really innocuous buttons and knobs and stuff. Anyway, that to me, from experience so far in two years, says that they know the shit and they sell loads. Thus, they don't charge a lot for them because they can. Um, anyway, long story short, it's been smelling strange in here for ages. It smells like... Hey, well, you know, there's a punchline there, I'm yeah. sure. We're here, yeah. It, it sort of smells like morning after curry. You know, you're like, hmm, that smells good from last night. I could eat that again. You know, like, mm. um, I got used to it, which probably means I've, I've got addicted to something that's in the antifreeze. Um, I picked Richard Fern up from Stoke. He dropped his big... Mega super dong size Volvo off somewhere from injector in uh, in Stoke. You know that big XXL double bed thing that he's got at Silver. Yeah. Um, I picked him up and gave him a lift back, which is fortuitous because I was in Stoke that day. So, and he got in anyway. Bloody hell, it smells of coolant in here, and I can't smell it, which means I'm addicted to coolant. And it for months you'd be sort of screaming along quite merrily, and you stop hard at lights or a roundabout, and it steamed up immediately. I'm thinking, this is weird. This. Anyway, long story short, four vents across dashboard, passenger side blowing cold, driver's side blowing warm, and then that went back to normal. Then everything just blew cold, and it were a fortnight since when it was minus seven on the morning. I had to go down to, um, what did I go? Black country somewhere. Minus six, and I was just getting outside ambient air blown in. It wasn't funny. 
And you can't yeah. use night heater in these like you can with an old Ebba Spasher behind That's what seat. I was going to say here, there. Could you have yeah. switched the night heater on no. in the back here? No, no, no. No. So I had mine as six blowing at me down and back. Ah. I thought. So I ordered a. But I spoke to Andrew Simpson at Scania at Sheffield, who, if you're not having any success with your parts, man, at Scania, ring Scania Sheffield and I have to speak to Andrew. He is some fella. So he is. He's a grand lad. As soon as I told him what was going on, he says, obviously I'm not service and parts, but take it from me, we've sold loads of these. It's your matrix. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, right, fine. So anyway, I got one and then Ash came and uh, bobbed it in and within five minutes in the yard. Oh, so that's good then. So I was going to say, my next question was, was that a dash out job or can you get to the bloody thing? No, no, on these... You go in under bonnet, you take the cover off, you know where your pollen filter would be. Uh-huh. Take that off, you take your pollen filter out, and then you take the box off behind, and then there's some more filters and bits and bobs, you know, the fins that direct air about. And there she is. You can move air conditioning radiator out of the way without dis- air disturbing pipes. Ta-da, over there, bosh. And then out she comes, new one in, air conrad back in, box on, filter in, Bob's your auntie. Grand job. Fire her up. Five minutes in the yard, I'm getting warm air through. Now, all the time I've had this, I've complained that on a morning, mm. I'd have to go from yard to Leeds before I start to get warm. Now, mm. she's warm. Dead right. And all problems I had with night eating, not sort of coming on on timer and the rest of it, have all gone away. So yeah. it's all, all intrinsically linked to this rather flimsy, Frey Bentos tin manufactured, crappy little uh, heater matrix. Anyway, for now, we're warm. Mm. Um, Everything's... Has she done it? Uh, well, you know. Has she done else mad since I spoke to you? Um, How's the fuel economy? Because no. it was doing pretty well. You were getting quite high fuel figures out of it. nosedived. It's terrible at the minute. It's sevens. Really? Um, what, what, is it needing t- tap it set? What's going on? I don't know what it needs because our local independent Scania specialists won't answer the phone. So, right, anybody uh, listening here, there must be people who have Scania 500... DX, yeah. the 13 litre engine, what's going on there? Why is the fuel economy falling off a cliff, folks? Because there must be something that's needing adjusted and updated for that, because that's not right. You were getting much well, better than that before. Well, when our local You're not independent scanning specialists used to um, answer his phone, last year he plugged it in for five minutes and fiddled around with some parameters on injectors. And hey, presto, she was up at nine, nine and a half, ten. Uh, obviously, he's not answering his phone anymore. I know it's a da- I know it's a dark art. Is it worth getting somebody mm. in to remap it? Well, because you can remap Richard, engines without. You don't necessarily need to remap it. Yeah, six hundred and fifty Rich- brake. You can remap things to optimize yeah. them rather Richard than Fern, boost the power. So. Lover of all things Swedish with an S on the front. He's had quite quite the same sort of problems about phone answering and stuff. So he um, he now oddly. Travels down to Taunton from Barnsley to get his looked at by Dan Jones Commercials. I have in, heard uh, that name. Yes, and he um, he's loving it. So um, really, it's getting to a point with fuel economy where I'm going to have to ask Uncle Stuart for a load down to Paynton or something if they start again. I think and I'm so. Have to swing so, into, yeah, uh, sounds like swing into Taunton and let the specialists, the real specialists, have a plug in and a fiddle. Because uh, sounds like it's needing optimised as it's run up the. I don't know as, as the kilometres have risen up on it. You know, things have obviously altered somewhere wise, which have ta- which have taken it out of you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Power wise, it'll pull your legs out of your sockets and throw them down. You know, down lane, but. Um, 
like tonight, I've come down. I've, I mean, granted, I'll be 40 mm-hmm, ton tonight with this wet turf on. I'll be, yes, 40 several ton perhaps. And it, <laughs> um, it's come down here and it's, uh, I've turned around in here tonight, zeroed everything off and uh, 7.4, which is horrendous. But then it's, it's never going to be heavier, is it? Um, I used to get nearly 10 average of a week, you know, some plant jobs, some empty running, some really heavy nasties, yada, yada, yada. I'm getting 8, 8.4 now average. So it's it's about a clear one-off, you know, off the mark. So it needs that plug-in and tickle, but um, um, I can't get anybody to answer the phone. So um, oh. it's going to have to be a trip to Devon for a fiddle, isn't it? And then we'll see. Um, so, so but yeah, she's... She's going well. Have I spoken to you since it since it shat its gearbox selectors in middle of Canuck? Uh, yes, that was the last podcast I All think right. we did when we yeah, chatted well, about good. that. I don't, I don't want to open, that, was a, to open no, that one. No, no, that was one of the ones where the guy knew exactly straight away what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, we did talk about and that. It was, yeah. And it was surprisingly cheap parts again. See, this is a scan new thing. I found this last year when I needed to replace a headlight that was all cracked and knackered because of plastic and shit you can't get them out on the on these early ones your headlights mount into this bloody huge bit of cast that goes right round under the step and bolts to the chassis well, oh, well, to, be, well big... to be fair people were nicking the headlights out the previous ones so well these well. aren't <laughs> the ones that nick these are your shit headlights these are your you know your council house spec headlights yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it's only xenon buoys that they want but um you can't get these out um you end up snapping bracket. So if you're going to do one on the 17-18 reg one, just buy a bracket before you try to do headlight chaps because otherwise it'll be Sunday afternoon and you'll be really upset. Um, the bracket's massive. It's as big as a man's arm. And you think, from Scania, a massive chunk of cast is going to be a fortune. No, it's 40 quid, which again says, we know it's bollocks. We designed it. We feel a bit guilty, but we don't want to do it under warranty, so we're going to make them all really cheap. So they did that. Um, like you know that eater matrix I don't think I mean it's 200 quid I could have spent on uh, fitness products and uh, you know male grooming and things yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, it's not a lot I expected a bigger kick in the bollocks than 200 quid for an eater matrix for this so they know it's crap so they make it as cheaply as uh, as they can hope and it'll go away it's, it's just the way, it's the way of the world with everything now because they're under so much pressure with the extra complexity of all the Euro 6 emissions stuff and all the electronics, everything else is now, you know, the one part of the company will go, right, this is the part that we need, it will cost you $10 to make it and then another department will go, okay, come back when you can make it for two. And that's, that, that is across the entire automotive industry I noticed I've just stripped. I just stripped my old cam, my dear old Cavalier that hit an unknown object in the M40 the other week and got written off. And as you're strip, as you're stripping that out, because the car's like thirty odd years old, it's got this massive, thick, well insulated copper wire in it, and none of this wire ever goes black. You will never see black wires on an old car. And it's the same. I t- you take the heater matrix out of it, and it's this big sort of, I don't know what it's made out of, like, brass, sort of heavy-duty thing. And the, these heater matrix... I've taken it out of the car because it's re- it's always had roasting heaters, and that matrix is over 30 years old. And it's just, you know, everything's made down to a sort of price. Now, you look at how often you see black wiring in modern vehicles, and I'm sure it's some. there must be some 
element that's been taken out the wiring that must be in some way toxic or something because old vehicles you never get bothered with wiring new ones black wires broken wires everywhere and it's just it's the same everywhere it's just it's it's, well, it's all really it's, fine gauge yeah. stuff now it's like hair isn't yeah, it you know you yeah it's progress you strip back a wire it's like hair it's it's yeah. toss whereas once it'll be made by you know British copper or something in Pudsey. They're made in Fung Yu Copper yeah. Company. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's bizarre stripping yeah. out old things. Out. Like you're pulling out like wiper linkages and engine mounts and things that's stamped made in the UK, you know, made in Sheffield yeah. or something like that. And you're like, oh. That Cavalier will oh, put together by blokes called Malcolm and Derek. And it was. It was made in Luton. It was made in Luton. Uh, <laughs> like David Brown, I always managed to swing it around to David Brown or farm in another. Like David Brown tractors that Case murdered and uh, so off in 1988. A tractor that were made at Meltham went down line at Meltham and it was assembled and, and with it went a bit of card in its uh, in its little pouch. And that was its tally card. And everybody that built anything onto that tractor, you know, the bloke who swank transmission housing in, the bloke who put trumpets on put rear end, the bloke who dropped cab on, they all signed it off down line and when it got to end at David Brown's it came off in our block and at the end of our block end of production line there was a massive building at end called Cathedral and it came off line under its own steam there you know running and um, some blokes that worked in there were called snaggers now they sound like someone on Fraggle Rock that live underneath <laughs> but, um, they do I <laughs> Aye, the snaggers. And, and what they did basically was, you know, they check it right through and say, yeah, 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 no, what's this? And whatever it is they find that's an anomaly, they could pull tally card out that tractor and it would say, right then, hydraulic, hydraulic control valve settings, and it'll say, you know, Donald Smithson, and they go, right, back up line we go, see Don. Now then, Don, this tractor's doing this, this, and this. And then Don would have to come down and rectify whatever were wrong with tractor. And, you know, this tractor was built by real men in a real factory that gave a shit. And a lot of these lads went into David Brown's from school as apprentice, went into training school. And once they'd been through training program, you know, they could choose where they wanted to go. Assembly, field test, sales, marketing, research, any of that. And generally, it was one of these great British institutions like Rover would have been, like Rolls-Royce would have been historically, where you went in at 16 and you came out at the other end with your gold watch, done and dusted. And it was brilliant like that. And these aren't, you know, these are nailed together by some sort of fairly, you know, some fairly nifty robots yeah. and a couple of blokes called Sven. But it's all cost per, you know, it's cost-based. It's yeah, all that- done... Yeah, you're right. If they I can mean, save 10 shillings on this, they'll save yeah, it. Yeah the, the, yeah, the technology and the new vehicles, you know, the, the, the engineering is incredible, but we have lost yeah. that element of, um, you know, the personal touch with, with, with building things yeah. like that because everything is... Because things used to have to be over-engineered to a certain degree, but now with the aid of computers, you can engineer every single thing yeah. so it only just does the job that it has to do and no more. Yeah. Tell you what, tell you what I noticed in the last couple of weeks, there were a couple of guys who've had a lot of bother with early Euro 6 trucks. 
And, you know, because they're getting older now, the first Euro 6 trucks are 10 years old and they're incredibly complicated. And what you're finding is guys that, you know, there should be a second-hand market for trucks. And, like, going, if you go back, like, a good few years, guys looking to buy second-hand trucks, you want to go and buy something with 700,000 kilometres on it and you go and look at something like a, a version 1 Volvo or an ERF EC or something like that, you know for a fact that that thing's going to be a solid bet. But now, I've had people saying, you know, I'm looking at a second-hand truck and it's done this mileage and everything. They like, what do you think about these? And I'm like, I'm like, every single one of them is a potential bomb scare, to be honest with you. You could, it's yeah. just, there's not, there's no easy solution for buying second-hand no. trucks. You're taking a hell of a gamble at that sort of mileage. But a lot, of people, a lot of cases, you've got no choice because you've got to have Euro 6 because of all this Euless stuff, but you're like, well, you could sink 20 grand in that and you won't be close to getting it right. And it's, no, no. you know, it's an issue because like back in the day, trucks were a lot more simple and they would, they were, you know, they were a lot more basic. They weren't as a, they weren't as efficient or clean or easy to drive or anything, but you could be confident they would plod on for many, many years to come. And what I saw the other day was when I worked at Taylor and Morrison for 2014 to 16, my old Foden Tipper, FX54 FHN, it's only bloody still on the road. I saw it coming towards me. It's still going. I'm, I think I should go and ask him for a couple of shifts in it, you know, for good old days, you know. Yeah, of course you should, I mean. I, I see a lot of theirs, you know. Now we're doing Broxburn quite a lot. I see, I see plenty of their old kit on, on M8 at... Um, Shot to end and you know coming down to seventy four. I I always notice them. I always remember the name. And I the, always see. Them. You know the thing is that these some of these Fodens are twenty years old now, and they just yeah. because they're so well maintained, they just keep going. And you know who's doing a better thing oh. for the environment? That company for keeping the same trucks running for twenty years, or somebody who bins them off after every two years and gets a new truck? What's the overall emissions? Yeah. Who's cleaner? Hmm. You know, I mean, I mean it, <laughs> it, it's not even a case of binning them off, is it? And and no. replacing them with clean emissions. We're not binning them off. We're not breaking them. We're not recycling them and making them into park benches. Mm. We're shipping them off to Malta yeah. or Barbados well, or somewhere well, even I, bloody worse. And it's all we're doing is virtue signaling and saying, "Look at us! Aren't we brilliant?" No, we're not. We're shit houses. You know, we pull our blue systems off these poxy Renaults and they ship them out and bang them abroad. So it's all bollocks. It's all, oh, look, we've ticked our boxes, but we've just moved our pollution over there. And unless someone's altered since I were at school, we're all under the same sky. Well, so whatever's going on over there is going to come round and uh, find its way over here. Otherwise, uh, exactly. None of, it make, none of it makes particularly good sense. It, but anyway, it's like you made, you know, glue themselves to M25 in it with their iPhones in their pockets and their. Uh, and the night trainers and the rest of it and uh, all the bollocks. Oh, stop oil. Well, what are you going to do with yourself if we stop oil, dickhead? You're going to wander around naked. Mm. And No, you're not, are you? You've no idea you jumped up opinionated little bell end. No. You've no idea what you're talking about. Great. You know, if we could all live in a you know a big garden like Teletubbies do and live in paradise, it'd be great. Fantastic. You know, I'd wander about with Macapaca and... Mm. It's well, about hiding rocks so, and stuff, but that's not how it works, I'm afraid. We have mm. to eat, and, and to be able to eat and feed this many, we have to have machinery. And machinery won't run on magic and good fortune, no. it runs on what it have runs you, on. Have you seen a YouTuber called Quick Dick McDick? No. Oh, you're in for a treat. He's, he's a Canadian farmer 
who has very strong right. opinions. He's very entertaining, and he's got some great. Why do you think and... I'd like a man with strong opinions? I don't understand what you. Yeah, a, fa- a farmer who like loves tractors and mm. lorries and things. Mm. Like. Mm. To, to be fair to anybody who's listening, look him up. Quick, Dick McDick. I'm rubbing my legs. Yeah, he, no, my I'll send you a link afterwards. You just made me think about the way he's got a video about all these just stop oil people, and he's going on. You know, is it what do you think a tractor runs on? Because it's not fairy farts and everything like that. It's how you make food, and I'm I'm totally. Of the, I'm like totally of the opinion that you, if you want to get to the journey where we're using all renewables and all green energy, well, you need the quickest way we're going to do that is by using fossil fuels. And if you artificially restrict the use of fossil fuels and make things more difficult, it's going to take longer to get to that ultimate goal yeah. of being all clean and renewable. Therefore, we yeah. need to be drilling and getting the oil and gas out the ground and using it as clean as possible. And then we will get to that cleaner goal. Yeah. Progressively in good time and not try to force it because that's just going to make things all worse in the long run. That's my opinion on it. Sure, it's probably the opinion of most of the people listening to this. That's what Americans call taps, faucets. Taps, mm. faucets, yeah. Taps, yeah. yeah. A faucet. And to think they've got, you know, they're a superpower and they've got all that, all that nuclear tackle stashed and they call taps, faucets. Yeah. Uh, you know, they call, they've got some strange words for things. They call pavement sidewalks. You know, uh, they say a America anyway because I applied for million, uh, for million mile club, you know, at Cummins, and they just ignored me. And you know, she'd done a legitimate million miles, and they never sent me my jacket or my certificate or anything. If you're listening, anybody from Cummins, you've spoiled everything for me. Yeah, that's a bit of eighteen that. years of diverted Cummins usage, and you never acknowledged my application for million mile club. How dare you? How very dare you? You know, when this thing uh, falls in bits at eight years old because it's Euro shite, I hope Scania have got a suitable Euro shite survivors club where you get a jacket because you managed eight years. Although, by the time this gets to eight years, I'll probably be in the house, so we'll be all right. I won't care by then. Anyway... You got anything, any other business to round this marathon podcast off? I've got nothing even slightly trucking related to tell you, to be right. Um, I will. Apart from I've just renewed my insurance and it came down again this year, and I like that. My broker's some fella. Oh, yeah. Um, right, so, yeah to round this, everybody right, else's insurance off, going. Truck insurance, aye. So it came down. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah exactly. Who's your broker? Give him a plug. Um, it's a, it, it's a chap called Ian Clarkson, and I've been with him since day one, and he's in Skipton in North Yorkshire. It's called West Craven Insurance Services. And the thing with Clark is, he's not a broker that sells you a policy and then vanishes until next year and rings you and goes, hello, how's, how are you going? If you have a claim or you have any bother and you ring Clarky, he'll waste hours on your insignificant little business. He will. He'll waste hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a few people sort of drive under me and over me and, and try and make out there were 27 of them in this course and they've all got spinal injuries and he actually takes time and says no no we'll sort this we'll fight this and he does top blow you know don't always go for cheapest although he is for me anyway don't always take cheap insurance because when you need them mm-hmm. you find out just what you're paying for and um yeah so he, he's a lovely bloke is he um Oh, yeah. Um, Good stuff. Diesel. Diesel's really pissing me at the minute because 
as you know, Crewwood's on the floor at the minute compared to where we've been, and they've still found a way yes. last fortnight. No, it's still dropping us off, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, it, we got down to 121, and I thought, well, you know, we're only 20 pence off where we were before all this madness started. It's going right away. And then suddenly, with no explanation, last fortnight, it went up Tuppence the week before, and it went up Tuppence again on Friday. I, uh, and nobody seems to be able to tell me why. Mm. And it's it's got knob all to do with crude prices. So what exactly is going on here? What's the agenda here? Unless uh, mm -hmm. it's the obvious, it's the uh, furlough payback arrangement. Seems to be something like that going on because the prices of fuel have been kept artificially high for a long time. Oh, hell I. There's a rumour that they're going to go and jack it up with 12 pence a litre in March and they've kind of kept it quiet. I'm like, surely not, because uh, they, do they want to get voted out of power? Not that vote, yeah, not, not, vote not, not the voting them out of power and putting <laughs> Labour in would make any difference. They would just do the same thing. Right, you know. Doesn't matter which team, you know, whether they've got red tie or blue tie, they're all on the same squad. Mm, absolutely. I don't know what we're going to do. And it's even worse for you with that bugger up there. Oh, uh, yeah, everything's just, you know, focused on one, one issue up here. It's, uh, it's, What's she going to do tricky. when they vote no? You know, when she gets a referendum... If she's, she not gonna get, no. she's not going to get it, so, you know. She would just resign anyway, but I don't think they're going to get it, so, you know. Right, we're going to yeah. round this thing off, then. <laughs> hey, it's good, this, you know. I've been paid, you know, I've been paying to see a therapist for this kind of stuff for, uh, oh, for the last few months, and I've forgotten you did it for free. Right, anyway, been emotional. Note, I shall time. see you next week. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.